listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the show. It's the Fret Files Podcast, your fortnightly foray into guitar geekery. I'm I'm the chief geek around here. My name's Eric Dot. I'm just considered just consider me your personal guitar scientist with 25 years of experience building and repairing guitars. Sitting beside me is my lovely co-host Melissa. Greetings. I will read the listener-submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. Mm-hmm. We got some good stuff for you today. A lot of follow-up. Always a lot of follow-up. This is kind of a follow-up show. Mm. No, it's... there's Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I, Only when you say something that's controversial. Guitar controversies. That's what we specialize in. Yeah. Questions about um, how to... To keep your guitar in tune, finishing, wiring on a white falcon, B-benders. Oh, we're going to get deep, deep into the weeds. Uh, And we've also got a good guitar history corner. Cool. Oh, yeah, you're going to like it. What have you been working on lately? Uh, Lots of drawings. <clears throat> uh, I've been working on five sketches, five, five drawings for five people. I got cool. two done. I got three more left. So when you do a a design on leather, mm-hmm. do you ever just get the leather and go, or or do you always sketch it out first? Uh, occasionally I will. It's it because I, I normally make custom orders, and so, so like the artwork has to be approved by the customer, right? Kind of, yeah, yeah. And but so, if, if you just felt inspired and grabbed a piece of leather, you could just oh yeah. Yeah, I just did that the other night. I was thinking about this. What, if you had it, just if you took a pencil, can you just sketch right on the leather? Mm-hmm. And then a lot of people do that. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Well, that that covers the uh, the leather worker corner. <laughs> what's what's on your bench? Oh, I just finished a whole bunch of stuff that is out of my life now, which is great. A bunch of really crazy acoustic guitar restorations. Are you finally done with all those restorations? You have one left. Uh, I have, well, I have another one that was supposed to be dropped off this week, and the guy didn't get back to me. Cool. Yeah. Uh, he'll be around. Trust me. Yeah. He's coming. Oh, Lord, he's coming. <laughs> uh, and I have a, I have another uh, guitar that belongs to my buddy Joe that, 
He opened the case. He says he he travels all over the place. I don't know where he goes, but he goes back and forth between like Arizona and Seattle. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he humidifies his guitars. He got down to Arizona and opened his case, and he said it was like just like watching an earthquake from an airplane, like just a crack developing in the guitar, just like like a foot-long crack in his yeah, guitar what, top just happened. What, yeah, what can you do? While he watched it. And he called me and said, I thought this thing was re- ready to go. You said it was good to go. <laughs> well, it was good to go till you took it to Arizona without a humidifier, Joe. He doesn't listen to this show. Oh, good. He should. If you listen to the show, God, I'm sorry, Joe. His name isn't really Joe. It's... Joseph. <laughs> so, it's something completely it's different. something completely different than Joe. Joe, please, please humidify your guitars. He probably does. I don't know. Maybe. It, there's just no humidifier in there, and I'm he's, he seemed perplexed that this happened because I just fixed an, a bunch of other cracks on the guitar. Mm, mm-hmm. And then I said, should be good to go because I fixed all the cracks that were there. I didn't mean that it would never crack again. I mean, it's... A new crack. Yeah. You gotta gotta humidify your guitars, people. Humidify. Do it. Uh, especially if you have nice, you know, acoustic guitars. Look, humidifiers are, are essential. Get a case humidifier for crying out loud, unless you live like in an in a beach hut and the humidity never drops below forty, then you're okay. But anywhere else you need to get a humidifier. Uh the other thing I've been working on is a lot of custom guitars and uh uh, I, I've been wheeling and dealing. I, I sold three of my personal guitars over the weekend and that was kind of fun. Cool. Three guitars that I've been thinking about selling for a long time and a good friend of mine made me an offer I couldn't refuse and, and now they're, now I don't have to put them on reverb or something crazy. Sweet. They're out of my life. Yeah. What else are we talking about? I don't know. Let's get into the podcast. Okay. The Guitar History Corner. It's the Guitar History Corner. That wasn't my voice, by the way. You can tell. The Guitar History the guitar Corner. Hist- see, see, my voice is totally different. The Guitar History Corner. Uh, this is a uh, follow-up. Another follow-up. Mm. Mm-hmm. Remember we were talking about Oak Grigsby switches? No, but well, we continue. Okay. Last episode, if you'll remember, Melissa doesn't listen to the show. She, right. She participates in it. And Barely. Barely. And then it's erased from the hard drive. Mm-hmm. Her, her memory does not retain this information. Oak Grigsby, we were talking about the switches, and I said, who the hell is Oak Grigsby? Is that a guy? Is that a guy's name? Because Grigsby is obviously a name. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is, it, is his name Oak? Is it just a guy named Oak Grigsby? Well, I did some research. Oh. And you'll be delighted to know Oak Grigsby is not a guy. Aren't you delighted? I am delighted. It was probably two guys. There was Oak and there was Grigsby. But another guy, Edward F. Bessie, founded Oak Industries in 1932 as a manufacturer of radio sockets, switches, dialites, and various assemblies. Oak Industries was was Mr. Bessie's company. Uh, it, it was a giant of manufacturing through the middle of the 20th century. And uh, th- these are... You know, the switches that you always find in fenders, 
this is kind of a history of, of this because the, there's several switch companies and it's interesting to me. I'm sure it's boring as hell to you, but here you go. Uh, they were a giant of manufacturing through the middle of the 20th century, but by the 90s, because of the many electric electromechanical devices they made, uh, they were struggling because these things were obsolete. Mm-hmm. I mean, by the 90s, you didn't have to have Telecaster-style switches in, in uh, electrical equipment. So they were a manufacturing giant, but by the 90s, they were struggling. So in order to save the company, they bought out a minor competitor, Standard Grigsby. And they moved into the smaller Grigsby factory, and Oak Grigsby was born. This is, I know you're just riveted. Fascinating. Oak Grigsby was purchased in 2003 and is now owned by the parent company, ElectroSwitch, which also owns CRL or Centralab. So Centralab and Oak Grigsby are basically owned by the same company. Uh, and uh, Centralab, of course, is the original supplier of those lever switches in strats and tellies. Centralab was founded in 1922. Kind of the same thing that they made parts for the then new radio industry, right? Uh, then it was sold to Globe Industries, and it was renamed Centralab. It was started as Central Radio Laboratories. I find this interesting. It's it's just cool because these are these are names that, as a guitar tech, you hear all the time, like oh the Oak Grigsby switch, and nobody ever thinks about what Oak Grigsby was or is or what right. it means. And anyhow. Sorry, I don't know any of these things. CRL, I, I guess I've heard of that. Oh, have you? I don't know. What's CRL? Centralab. That's short. That's that's what. Right, yeah. but what is it? A switch? What is it? What do they make? Yeah. Cool. They make all kinds of things, but they they make lev lever, lever switches that show up in strats and tellies. So Electro Switch now owns both of those companies, and that was founded in 1946. Over time, ElectroSwitch has acquired many of these guitar-associated electronic parts manufacturers, including Stackpole and CRL. Uh, so the Oak Grigsby switches are made in Mexico. Now, so this is like current information, Oak Grigsby switches are made in Mexico, while the CRL switches are USA-made. Mm. At least that's what the internet said. So you know how reliable that is. Mm-hmm. Oak Grigsby is the current maker of switches for Fender's USA and Mexican production. Fender did use the Centralab switches for decades, but the Mexican-made Oak Grigsby switches are less expensive, so Fender moved from CRL to the Oak Grigsby as a cost-saving measure, probably in the 90s, I don't know, or the 2000s. Uh, anyway, as we mentioned in the last episode, the Oak Grigsby switches are available in more and varied and sundry configurations than the CRL switches. So the CRL switches, you can get a three-way or a five-way. With the Oak Grigsby, you can get three-way, four-way, five-way, and then super switch five-way, which is the the one with the extra wafer and 24 solder tabs on it. Right. <clears throat> so if you need a four-way switch or a super switch, there isn't a CRL option. Oak Grigsby is the next best thing. And it's the basically the same parent company. So they're both quality switches. I prefer CRL, but if you have to get uh, 
a configuration that CRL doesn't offer, Oak Grigsby is the next best thing. Anyway, that's the guitar history corner of just, you know, switch manufacturers. Neato. Now you know. You didn't need to know. But now you know. And now we're all bored. And uh, we need to get into the next segment before this podcast absolutely dies. Hi, Eric and Melissa. This is Ben in the UK. Uh, I haven't called up for a while, but I really love the podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, I was calling today because a few weeks ago I I accidentally bought a guitar on eBay. (laughs) Um, I've got really into gold foils recently, and I saw an old Japanese catalogue guitar for sale. And I had a couple of glasses of wine and made a silly offer on it and got it for £100 with the intention of taking the pickups off and putting them on a better guitar. But I've got the guitar, and even though on paper it's a complete piece of junk, I love it. So (laughs) um, I was wondering if you've got any tips for trying to keep these guitars running. I think it's a Sakai, possibly a Tysco. It's got a very thin, very flimsy plywood body. The neck is uh, short scale. It's got a flat fingerboard. And it's twisted. Yeah. <laughs> um, the vibrato never returns to the same note that it started on if you touch it at all. Um, and you can't adjust the intonation. Uh, and the pickups are super microphonic. Yeah. And um, it's just one of the funkiest guitars I've ever played. I love yeah. it so Good. much. Uh, Good. So just any tips you've got for trying to improve on crappy old 60s Japanese guitars would be greatly appreciated. I'll put a picture in the email. Um, so you can see what you're dealing with. But anyway, keep up the great work. Love the podcast. Um, stay well. Cheers. Thank you. I, that uh, was so weird. <laughs> your audio was astonishingly good, and we could hear either... It there was, was rain a, or something? I don't know. Either there was a, like an above-ground train going through your flat, or possibly... We th- I thought it was something thunderstorm. coming from upstairs in our house. Your audio is so good in my headphones. It sounds like you're standing... Ben, have you considered doing ASMR on YouTube? I don't know what that is. Have you considered <laughs> doing a uh, guitar podcast? Your audio is better than ours. <clears throat> Truly. We well, he was, come to your house. He was stereo, and it's not... Sadly, it's not going to translate because I take the uh, our audio and I... Even if there's stereo in mm. our podcast, it gets dumped down into a mono track. Oh, good. Because there's really no use in doing a stereo, All right. stereo well, podcast. Listeners, Ben has better audio than we've ever had. I'll go back and doctor it up, make sure it sounds crappier. Okay, than, good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyhow, my friend, thank you for calling. I love these guitars. The goofy 60s Japanese Guitars with gold foils, yes, they're crappy guitars. No, they can't be intonated. Yeah, their their necks are twisted and the frets are just... A, I mean, where do they even get that fret wire? It's like the, <laughs> the sorriest excuse for fret wire you've ever seen. So yeah, there's, there's things that can be done. You know, uh, one of the... One of the biggest um, modifications, one of the most popular modifications I see... Uh, done to those kind of guitars would be to replace the bridge so that you can intonate it. And oftentimes you can find a tunematic or a tunematic style bridge where you can uh, dial in the intonation better so that, you know, so the guitar will tune. The next thing would be tuners. Uh, oftentimes those the tuners on those guitars are pretty sorry, but even 
the sorriest tuners usually can be made to behave if you put a little bit of graphite in the nut slots of the guitar. The tremolo uh, is probably a lost cause. You'll probably never be able to use the tremolo and and stay in tune. But, um, yeah, swapping out the bridge, uh, he said it's got a twist in the neck. Um, That could be corrected. And I've done this to several of these guitars if you... If you really want to get fancy, you can refret it and, uh, you know, either straighten the neck with a, a neck straightening iron or, uh, uh, you know, take the frets out and level it off with a sanding block with, and radius it a little bit <clears throat> and refret it. And those guitars with a proper fret job are uh, an entirely different level. It's 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 amazing what you can do to those guitars with new frets and and some uh, some tinkering. But if you don't want to get crazy, you know, maybe just a new bridge, uh, and maybe not. Just play it. I mean, you're I can tell just by the way you were talking about it that you're in love with this guitar, and I think that's so awesome because I love these guitars too, and. Uh, and I love when people drunk buy things. I think that that's the best. <laughs> you picked up on that. He did. He he had a few glasses of wine there, and he started listening to that Rolling Thunder and thought, you know, I need a guitar that sounds like this. Oh, yeah. That's Hound Dog Taylor. Hound Dog Taylor was famous for playing these kinds of guitars. These oh, really? Like crappy Japanese-made, no-name gold foil pickup like the the kind of thing you could probably pick up at the time for $20 they're so interesting uh-huh. I mean how can you argue with that tone yeah. it's the only vintage guitar I ever see out in the wild and by in the wild I mean at thrift stores at pawn shops at garage sales they made a billion of them yeah and they're always like some weird shape, short yeah. scale, with the headstock being like four inches longer than a normal headstock. Yeah, like the headstock is almost as big as the body. Right. It's so weird, <laughs> but they're cool. I know almost nothing about guitars, friends, but I I know about Tyscos. Cause you see, neat. yeah, you see those, and you see harmonies, and that's what you see most of mm-hmm. the time because they those. There's just a billion harmonies. They made a ton of them. And these Japanese guitars, they made a ton of them. The sad thing is, most of these Japanese guitars you see are junk. But the ones that aren't are magical. Still junky, but magical with the slightly microphonic gold foil pickups and just enough resonance and uh, magic to just make... They're just so cool. They're just so cool. I mean... I think we can only play 15 seconds of a song for legal reasons. Fair use. I that couldn't have been 15 seconds. <laughs> Plus it was split up and we're we're using it as an example yes. of uh, you know Did you credit him? Uh, Hound yes. Dog Taylor, what is it? Hound Dog Taylor. That's Hound Dog Taylor and the House Rockers uh, on Alligator Records. Uh, that's the song She's Gone. Cool. 
Let's hear 15 seconds of the next track. This is called Walk in the Ceiling. You know it's going to be good. Oh, come on. Was that 15 seconds? It's magic. I don't know, but it's just so good. This is this is what I strive to be here. This, I don't I don't really care about the Joe Bonamassas and the guys like that that play. You had to call out Joe, huh? Joe's a good guy. I've met Joe several times. I don't mean to look. He would be the first one to tell you. Don't buy my record. <laughs> buy Hound Dog Taylor's record. <clears throat> That's what a good guy he is. Mm, cool. Yep. 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 What are we doing? Um. This is a podcast. Oh, right. Are we doing that? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. We have another call. It's coming in on a filling in my tooth. Hello, Eric and Melissa. Bob Chedro from Homewood Music in Alabama. I have a question. I think you're the guy. I'm looking for a source for silk screen decals. Because water slide decals do not work very well on different shades of guitars because of the translucent nature of water slide decals. So I want to know if you have a source, if you do, I bet you keep it close to your heart, for a traditional silkscreen, sure enough, old school decals. And it doesn't have to be pinup curls. It could be like states or whatever, you know. I just need to know who is making them and where to buy them. Thank you very much. Enjoy the podcast. Bye-bye. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. You know, this is, this. I've never brought this up. Okay. Maybe I have. The word is D-E-C-A-L, right? Yeah. Now, this is this is a pronunciation thing. In in my part of the world, they call it a decal. Uh-huh. In Bob's part of the world, they call it a decal. In Canada, they call it a decal. No. Yes. No. I, hand to God, they call it a decal. If somebody said decal to me, I'd be like, what the they say decal. F word are you talking about? They do. North of the Great Lakes, they say decal. Decal. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I say decal. Our good friend Bob Tidrow from uh, Alabama. Alabama says decal. Bob, here's the deal. Hold on. Australian listeners, please call in and tell, tell us how you say decal. Okay, sorry. Continue. Also tell us how you how you say solder, because I've I've heard that you say solder. That's interesting. <laughs> it's not solder. Anyhow, look, water slide decals are absolutely uh, the way to go. Um, the problem you're having is with poor quality water slide decals. They sell water slide decal paper now for inkjet and laserjet printers. And so what so many people are doing is they make decals on their little home printer, and they're crap. They're absolutely crap, because once you get that on a guitar, unless your guitar is white, I mean, you can just see right through it. And the problem is that those type types of printers do not print white. And so uh, if you if you want a good quality decal made... You have to either have it printed on an ALPS printer, A-L-P-S, or it has to be done old school 
silk screened, you know, like they would have made a decal in the fifties. Right. And he, he, that's, that's what he said was, I need a source for silk screened decals. Yeah. Um, I don't know of one, but I do know of one that will print it on a good quality Alps printer. Uh, and it's Rothko and Frost. They're in the UK. I believe their website is just Rothko and Frost. Let me look it up while I'm talking to you here. Rothko with a K and Frost. They're in the they're the, in the United Kingdom. Yeah, it's RothkoandFrost.com. And uh, they make decals. You have to supply them with your artwork in um, fancy uh, Photoshop format with, with all the layers separated. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Which I don't know how to do. I had to have somebody help me do that. But that's who makes my decals for the headstock. How do they make them? Do they silk screen them? I believe they're made on an Alps printer. Oh, okay. And an, an Alps printer, it's it's actually something that's that's not even made anymore. Uh, ALPS printer, and I don't know what ALPS stands for, um, but it stands for something. But the the thing about the Alps printer is that it's um, it's not translucent; it's solid color. The printer or what it prints? What it prints is solid color. Oh, so, okay. And it'll do like metallic inks, and it'll do white. Mm-hmm. You know, solid, uh, opaque color. Right. So that. You could put it on a, on a black painted headstock, and the decal looks great. So Rothko and Frost, that's those are my go-to people. Um, but you have to supply them with, and they tell you on their website how to supply the artwork. But they're not silk screened. If somebody knows how to get or where to get good quality silk screened, old school, uh, water slide decals made it let me know because i need some made that the the pinup girl decals i use are all scrounged off of ebay and they're all vintage because they don't make them anymore right well they do but they're made on the people that are selling them knew they're made on uh inkjet printers or laser jet printers and the the quality is just abysmal. So, the de- the pinup girl decals I use are all vintage. Yeah. How about that? There you go. All right, let's get right into things here. Jeez. Letters. We get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. Dan Electro isn't known for their bases? John and... New Jersey disagrees. Uh, but more importantly, Dan Electro baritones are 30-inch scale length, just like Dan Electro's six-string basses. The difference is the strings and yeah. probably the nut, though I imagine lots of people have put lighter strings on a six-string bass and tuned it to an A. What tuned does that mean? From A to A. Tuned it A to A and called it a baritone without changing the nut. And maybe Dan Electro would use a different tone cap, but I don't actually know. But basically... A Dan Electro bass six and a Dan Electro baritone are essentially the same. That's from John in New Jersey. Thanks, John. I don't know if that's a typo, but baritones aren't typically tuned A to A. Uh, 
What are they tuned? Well, they're tuned to B to B. Mm. So B, you know, the low string B. Right. Then E, A, D, and then F, F sharp and B. This is hurting my brain, but so I think that was a typo <clears throat> on uh, on John's part. But yeah, okay. Aside from Dan Electro, though, baritone and a bass, the six string bass are entirely different things and usually different scale lengths. And more importantly, the, the strings, as you mentioned, the strings are absolutely the big difference. But um, all right, so Dan Electro is known for their basses a little bit. Okay, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Thanks for the question, or I mean, uh, it wasn't really a question. <laughs> the, Thanks for the... Uh, the telling uh, off. No, it was very nice. <laughs> it was very nice. Thanks for Thanks, the nice John. note, John. Hey, Eric and Melissa, greetings from Colorado. I have a question about nitro finishes on certain electric guitars. Fender has a new-ish line of electrics, the American original series of Strats, Tellys, and Jaguars, that's trying to capture a vintage vibe, including a nitro finish. However, apparently they apply a polyurethane undercoat before applying the nitro. I think Fender also did this for a time in the 60s before putting poly finishes on all their standard models. What is the point of this? Is this poly undercoat different from the type of poly finish they would use on a 100% poly finished guitar? I liked nitro f- I like nitro finishes for the way they feel and age. What effect would the poly undercoat have on these qualities? Do you have to do this on your pinup models? That's from Josh in Denver, Colorado. Oh, no, I don't I don't use a I I use vinyl. I use a vinyl sanding sealer which I guess you could call it poly, I suppose. Um, but yeah, Fender, starting a long time ago, um, Fender uh, started using a product called Fullerplast. And uh, it's, it's, basically a, it's basically a poly undercoat, right? Under the nitro. And, you know, the, the, um, the purpose of that thing is really, it's like a, you know sealer but you know like like any sealer <clears throat> it basically uh coats the wood and prevents um uh it prevents other uh following coats from soaking into the wood right like a sponge mm-hmm. so so it means you know it's easier to apply color coats and it's easier to uh, and you, plus you have to use less paint so it's just a it's just an undercoat and um, even though you've got a nitro finish over it, it's just an undercoat. And people talk about how much that affects tone and all this jazz. I don't know, whatever. Nobody complains about their vintage Fender having a poly undercoat, but they do. They, the early, early ones don't. But I don't know, sometime in the late 50s, they, they started using this thing called Fuller Plast, which is made by Fuller O'Brien. Right, it's just a company, just a paint supply company, like mm-hmm. sh- like Sherwin Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did he say? What would what effect would the poly undercoat have on uh, on these qu- what, what qualities? Uh, feel and age. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It it's just it's just a it's just a finishing thing, and it it really doesn't affect much. It it just seals the wood, which is a good thing. You know, you, 
because when you're finishing, sometimes you you can just use straight nitro lacquer as a sealer, but the wood just sucks it right up. Right. So that's the nice thing about these undercoats like that is they really sit on top of the wood and then you're able to finish on top of that, which is it's really a good thing. So thanks, Josh. Thanks, Josh. <clears throat> Hi, I enjoy your podcasts. I've been doing Frankenstrats for a while now. Much fun. So Stratocasters, nuts. Do you use graphite, bone, roller, plastic? What's the easiest to set up for use with a tremolo and keep things in tune? I have several strats, all have locking tuners and have several different types of nut on each. It seems the G, sometimes the B also, go sharp on all of them. Can't seem to find where they are sticking. Weird. Any magic you can share? Thanks. That's from Randy in Wheat Wheatland. New York. Thanks, Randy. I prefer bone. You want to make sure that the slots are cut properly, and then you want to use a little bit of graphite in each nut slot. And the easiest way to do that is just with a sharp pencil. Just take a pencil and roll a sharp pencil uh, uh, into each nut slot, and you'll get these little shavings of graphite, and then just put the string right on top of that. They're like little tiny ball bearings. And when you use the tremolo or when you bend a string or when you tune, the string won't get stuck in the nut slot. That's what I would do. That's what I do. Bone is the only thing I ever recommend. If anybody asks for a nut, that's what they get. Unless you, they really, really, really want something crazy and they supply it themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've put roller nuts on before, but it's unnecessary. And frankly, in my opinion, locking tuners are unnecessary. But that's just me. You rock on with your locking tuners. Have a good time. But um, bone nuts, graphite in the nut slots, and that will go so far in keeping you in tune that uh, I would be surprised if it doesn't just completely solve your problems. Thanks, Randy. Greetings to my favorite guitar scientist and leather surgeon. Thank you. Oh, I like that. Thank you. Sounds like I know what I'm doing. Uh, I am working on a customer's 1981 Gretsch White Falcon. This is one of those weird and awesome guitars with the stereo jack, and each pickup is split in half between the treble strings and the bass strings with oh. separate controls for each circuit. Well, we were talking about that on the Guitar I History remember. Corner. I remember. I remember that. Uh, there is also a master three-way toggle that controls whether the guitar jack output is in stereo, dual mono, or mono. Okay, I know what stereo is. I know what mono is. What is dual mono? Uh, it's too complicated. Also, I don't know. <laughs> okay. The guitar was in for me to tidy up the very barbaric wiring job and then do a setup. I'm very capable with wiring, but I found myself a little stumped here. I have two problems. The treble three-way toggle has the neck pickup on in all three positions. If these parts were loose, I would know what to do, but everything is mounted to a circuit board and that I don't feel is appropriate, nor should be necessary to fiddle with. Mm. The second problem is that I'm not sure if the stereo switching system is working correctly. This guitar doesn't function basically at all when used with the mono cable. When using a mono cable, I only get the base side of the pickups when using the upside of the stereo selector. The other posi positions are completely dead. If I use a TRS splitter, everything seems to be working fine. Is there a wiring problem, or are these guitars designed to be used with a stereo cable 100% of the time? 
I will probably have to have this guitar back to the customer before your next episode comes out, but I wondered if you have worked on these and if you have encountered these problems before. Thanks for the awesome podcast for us fellow guitar nerds. Keep on keeping on. That's from Adam. Right on. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, I think they are designed to have a tip ring sleeve jack at all times. And dual mono, to go back to that, I was sitting here thinking about that. I think dual mono would mean two identical outs. So two identical outputs, right? Mm. Two identical mono outputs. But the awesome thing about Adam's question is I don't have to answer it. Did you know why? Oh, did he send a follow-up? He sent a follow-up, and he answers his own question, which just makes my life so easy. All right, let me read it. I'm so happy about this. No, I'm going to read this. Hey, guys, Adam again with just a quick follow-up email about that Gretsch White Falcon that I emailed about earlier. I bit the bullet and decided to yank out all the guts to see what I was working with. Turns out there was a jumper wire on the three-way toggle for the treble side of the circuit that was contacting one of the lugs on its way to the circuit board. This was what was causing the neck position to be on in all three positions. I replaced that wire with a slightly longer one, and no more problem. I never could figure out how to make the guitar work with a mono cable, but that guitar sounded glorious, and the customer was really happy to get it back. That's from Adam. That just goes to show you, when you're working on an arch-top guitar where you can't get to the electronics, you gotta pull it out. I know you don't want to. Mm-hmm. I know it's a pain in the butt. You gotta pull it all out, because you just can't see or work on What's going on in there? And a lot of people try. A lot of people do. They try. They'll like, they'll just loosen one pot and then kind of turn it around and try to solder it through the F hole or something. Don't do that. If you have to work on the electronics in an arch top, take it out. I know it's a pain, but you got it has to be done. Take it all out. That way you can service it. You can see it. You can see what's going on. You'll see problems that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. Then you can put it all back in. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it's going to save you so much headache uh, because you can you can see what's going on instead of just weird guesswork and trying to work on something that you can't even get to. So that's the point of uh, Adam's two submissions. Cool. Let's take a little break, and we'll be right back. Okay. After this. We've talked a lot about neck straightening irons on the show, and people write to me and they say, Eric, where can I get one? Well, until now, I didn't have anywhere to send people because nobody makes them anymore, except for my buddy Rick at playersgearmusic.com. You can go to Players Gear Music. You can order a neck straightening iron. Some people call it a neck press or a neck heater. It is an invaluable tool in my shop. I use it all the time. I'd be lost without one of these. I I love having a neck straightening iron, and Rick is making a really, really stout industrial. It, I I think it I think it's the best one that I've used, and I've I've used a lot. I've made my own. I've used uh, the commercially available ones that they used to sell in the '70s and '80s but they don't sell them anymore. Well, now you can get one from playersgearmusic.com. They're $7.49. I know that seems like a lot. It's it's a tool, I tell you what, it's going to pay for itself a hundred times over. If you go to his website and make an offer for $6.99 and mention the Fret Files podcast, $6.99, 
free shipping, and it's yours. A neck straightening iron, a neck press, a neck heater, whatever you want to call it. Playersgearmusic.com has them, and you need one. I'm telling you, it's an invaluable tool, indispensable. I'd be lost without mine. So go to playersgearmusic.com and check it out, and don't forget to tell Rick that the Fret Files podcast sent you. Before we start on the questions, I have to remind you, this episode of the Fret Files podcast, as always, is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters in Waco, Texas. They search the globe for the best coffee beans available, and they roast them right there in-house. And I'm, I, look, I got a bag right here. No, this is not a maraca. This is a bag of whole bean coffee. And it says, The distinct qualities of specialty coffee lie at the apex of acidity, body, and sweetness. We roast to showcase the farmer's craft and reveal coffee's unique natural flavor. This is no joke. This is the best coffee that I've tried. I love it. It's really good. It's what we drink here in our house. You can uh, use our, our promo code PINUP at checkout at apexcoffeeroasters.com to receive 10% off. And if you haven't yet, I just don't know. Maybe you just don't drink coffee. It's time to start, okay? If you <laughs> that's That could be your only excuse is that you just don't drink coffee. But if you drink coffee, try the best. Look, there's a reason why it costs a little more, right? Gibson's cost a little more than Epiphone's. Is there a difference? Yeah, there's a big difference. Quit buying crappy coffee. Buy Apex coffee. It's so good. You will thank me. You will write me an email and you will say, My God, Eric, thank you for recommending this coffee. It's delightful. Apex Coffee Roasters. Apex Coffee. ApexCoffeeRoasters.com. Hey, life happens. Coffee really helps. ApexCoffeeRoasters.com. Uh, greetings, oh sage and knowledgeable sir. Love the podcast. Thanks for the continued effort and information. I've recently, I've recently been asked to build a telly style with a bee bender. Can you shine a light on these and give any advice or pitfalls to watch out for? Thanks again, and please don't hesitate to mention my website. Now, why are you it. laughing? <laughs> He's got to plug his website. Well, I don't blame him. I I, I love it, Sean. Uh, www.scarguitars.com. S-C-A-R guitars.com. That's from Sean in Jennerstown, Pennsylvania. I like how you had to add, you, you had to add the www, like. Yeah. Well, the, like, he sent like the, the HTTP. The whole thing, and I don't, yeah. HTTP colon forward, forward slash, slash forward slash. slash. <laughs> this, you remember they used to read? They used to yeah. try to read URLs. Go to scarguitars.com. I guess I didn't need to read the, the three That's dubs. That's all right. I checked out his website. Cool. Here's the deal, though, Sean. People say these kind of things like, hey, will you build me a telly with a B-bender? The answer to that question... <laughs> Is no for Eric. <laughs> for you, for you, I think you you're should gonna, do what yeah, you want. You bet. You're gonna have fun. For me, I would no sooner do that than fly to the moon. Uh, however, Sean, <laughs> I think that you should look at YouTube. I don't think Eric's your guy here. I'm gonna yeah, be it's honest. True. It's true. Um, 
I've been asked, I, I have, I've been asked to install those dozens of times, and the answer has always been no, um, because I don't want to, and I don't like them, and they're a pain in the butt. So, can I shine a light on these and give any advice and any pitfalls to watch out for? No, I cannot, because I won't install them. Let me <clears throat> let me just clarify. A B bender is a, a tr- basically like a bending system that goes on the B string, but to the strap lock. Is that correct? Or the strap button? Yeah. Let me show you. So as you move the guitar up and down, the the yeah. strap actually moves the mm. B string. <laughs> yes, that's correct. Who invented this? Someone insane. I, so this is what it looks like. This is this is what you have to do to a guitar. Wow. You, you have to route this giant crazy route, right? This is just a like if I want to bend the B string, you know what I do? You should, for everybody not not able to see Eric, so all of you, um, what he just did is he he held up an air guitar, and with his left hand, he used one of his fingers and pushed it up. That's yeah. what happened. So you could either use your finger and push the string, or you could install one of these Rube Goldberg contraptions in your guitar. My God. <laughs> Are you serious? Have you seen... Look at this. Look at look at Wow. Yes. Look look at the <laughs> what? what was that? I clicked on a video. Look Look at the route you have to put in this thing. You have to put a giant L-shaped route in the back of your yeah. telly. So it it hooks up your saddle, your bridge, your bridge all the way through a system of levers and pulleys to your strap button the one by the neck this is a this is not a good idea this is my opinion you asked for my opinion yeah. i'm giving it to you sean i would run the other direction fast but you, say, hey look some people love really, b-benders yeah if you really want to do it get on youtube eric's not your guy thanks sean thank you sean Hey, Eric and Mel, not sure if this is too late for this week's podcast, but I wonder if you could address this question. <laughs> no, it is not. In whatever week this was. <laughs> you probably sent this in April. Uh, I'm building a T-style-ish, I don't know what that means, custom guitar, and I want to cut my own one-ply white pickguard. How would you go ahead and cut the plastic? Are there special tricks and tools to do that? I'm guessing making a template and then using a router would be the perfect way. But what if I don't have a bandsaw to cut a good template? Thanks and a, thanks a lot and cheers. That's from Sebastian. Hmm. Very cool. Thanks, Sebastian. So uh, I guess my qualifying question would be, is the pickguard going to be slightly different than a standard Telecaster-style pickguard? And I'm guessing the answer is yes. Otherwise, you would just use an off-the-shelf one because right. they're like 10 bucks. Why would you make your own when you can get one for, I'm like a super nice one would be, I don't know, 20 bucks. I don't know. They're cheap. They're very cheap. But, um, yeah, I used to make pickguards all the time just with a scroll saw and then um, smooth out the edges uh, on my belt sander. <clears throat> it's 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 time consuming and tedious but it can be done 
the the real way to do it, and I make my own pit guards a lot of times. I do, uh, and and I do it with a a, a template and a table router. Uh, and, uh, that's the way to do it. You know, a, a, a router bit comes up through the table and then there's a, a bearing on the top and the bearing rolls against your template and cuts the exact shape that you want. Um, if you need to make a one-off where it's slightly different, you could make it, you could make a template and use a, uh, he says he doesn't have a bandsaw to make a good template. If you have a scroll saw, that's what I uh, have often used. Just be very slow and patient. You can get single-ply pickguard material very affordably from any number of suppliers, all parts, and stumac. But, uh, yeah, good luck. Just take it slow. <clears throat> Thanks, Sebastian. Question for Mel. What is your favorite leather work to do? Hmm. Straps, bags, wallets, or does it just depend on the design? Big fan of your work, and you are the star of the podcast. Listen Whoa. to that. No offense, Eric, he says. Whoa. Oh. Hey, now. Or maybe sheets. Taylor in Oregon. Hmm. I don't know. I'm guessing Taylor's... I'm guessing... Well, I'm not going to guess. I don't know. Who knows? Taylor, right now... I don't, that's, a, that's an excellent question. I like straps because they are quick and easy. You know, it's one piece of leather and it's just done. I like bags because they're a challenge. They're a little more complicated. Uh, but lately I've won, I, I haven't done a wallet in probably a year, two years. You told me you really like to make aprons. I do really like aprons. That's true. Um, but in terms of things that I make most often, I think bags are my favorite. Really? And especially if there's any flowers. Oh, I really? like floral. I like doing any floral designs and I like making bags. If you don't follow Melissa on Instagram, you really should because her leather work is just stunning, as is she. So it's what Melco. Make this face? It's at Melco Leather on Instagram. That's a good face. Thanks. She's making a silly face. I don't do compliments very well, but thank you. Yeah, I can tell you're uh, flattered. That was a good question. I should have read that. It was yeah. for you. It, it was, was entirely for, for you, and I don't know why they listen, because they think I suck. So yeah. that's well, fine. Fine. There you hey, go. F you, Taylor. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks Taylor. <laughs> thank you, Taylor. <laughs> Eric and Melissa, thanks for the enjoyable podcast. Are there any plans for a collaboration between you two? Maybe a pinup custom guitar with a custom leather pick guard and a matching strap? That would be really cool, and I'm surprised that you don't do more of that kind of thing. Have you ever? Thanks. That's from Tim in Salt Lake City, Utah. Tim, you're thinking way too much about us. We, we know. <laughs> I have suggested it on several occasions, and then do you know what happens? I get busy, and I'm like, yeah, that's not happening. You should just make a plastic pick guard and put it on your guitar, because I can't do that right now. We are both we are both completely overwhelmed with the workloads that we have and the, and making the things that we make. Maybe someday we'll do that. It would be cool. Yeah, and that's a good suggestion, Tim. And and, and it's something. He's right. I I don't hardly ever think about this. Yeah, 
I have in my shop, and I have had in my shop for probably three years, I have a guitar body that Eric gave me that I've always meant to design a tooled leather cover for. It's a telly body. And so, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, my intention has always been to design and tool a telly body and then give it to Eric and he's going to finish it. Yeah. And uh, every time I slot out time for it, I fill that time up with something else because somebody really needs something for a birthday or somebody really wants this or that. Right. Or it's Shark Week. Or... Right. Right. And <sighs> so it just has not happened. But it, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Tim. And thank everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening and for participating in the show. We really appreciate it. It's just a little bit of fun that we have, and we, we're glad. Honestly, I'm surprised anybody listens to this show. I don't know why you would. But, hey, thank you. We do appreciate it. If you want to participate, you can uh, submit a question by going to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Or you can call or text 757-774-8482. That number is 757-774-8482. You can call or text. We'll use your question or comment as part of the show. Please be nice and polite, and uh, we will probably not do the same. Or please as, don't. As you can tell, we've, please be mean. we've been very rude to all, we all take, of... We take criticism really well. <laughs> we've been very rude to all of tonight's participants. But it's all in jest. We love you. Especially Taylor and Oregon. Especially Taylor. Sorry I said that. It's going to keep me up all night. Thanks for listening. We'll see you uh, next time down the road. We'll talk to you soon. Good night.